And we are live. Welcome everyone tuning in to the Hashtag Stories of Healing podcast, episode 13. The focus of the podcast is to share a story and dive into the healing process within that challenging time in life. The story could be about pain, struggle, anxiety, depression, a heartbreak, loss of employment, trauma, or any specific challenge that brought a tough experience to overcome. Stories of Healing is here to inspire, motivate, help others lift and rise up through their past or present struggles by listening in and connecting with the special guest who tunes in and sharing their story of healing and how they overcame their battle. What was their healing process? That being said, good evening and welcome everyone. Haley P. Moon has been seen on Spectrum One News, ABC 11 News, Fox 34 News, WBOC 16 News, on various television shows and print magazines and other platforms. She's the author of The Rules of a Big Boss, a book of self-love. The book is a personal journey on how she overcame depression, anxieties, and betrayal. She found the lioness within her and rose up instead of sinking. The Rules of a Big Boss is specifically centered and catered towards young and adult women who help find themselves and improve their individual self-esteem. Haley is a seventh grader and honor student. She resides in North Carolina with her dad, father, here Diedrich, and their dog, Oreo. Her hobbies include singing, dancing, writing, drawing, designing various products. Haley also developed a clothing line and accessory line in support of the book. The products allow women, men, and children to increase their self-esteem by wearing her big boss rules. She's officially registered with the state of North Carolina as a licensed retailer under the name of the Rules of a Big Boss, LLC. Haley did all this while balancing her schoolwork and helping nurse her father back to health following a bad car accident. She's using the proceeds earned from her business to help fund and pay for law school in the future. Haley also inspired her dad to begin writing his autobiography entitled The Unlikely Journey, Fire and Gold. This book is set to release in February and it features her as his co-author. With that in mind, she's leading while he follows. Incredible achievements and amazing story introductions. Welcome, Haley and Diedrich. How are you both doing tonight? I'm doing doing wonderful. How about you, sir? I'm doing good, Diedrich. I'm doing good. Thank you for being on our show tonight. Thank you, Haley, for being on our show. Uh, We're super grateful to have you on the show tonight. Uh, Two incredible people here, and I'm excited to dive in and hear your story, Haley, and hear your story, Diedrich, and, and share this to the world. Thank you Thank for having, you for having us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, take turns here. So Haley, you, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and then Diedrich. Um, as you said, I am the author of The Rules of a Big Boss, a book of self-love. Um, I am in the seventh grade. And I do have a dog named Oreo who's 21 in dog years. Nice. 21. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what kind of dog is Oreo? Um, he's a Bochi, so he's a Boston Terrier and a Chihuahua. Okay, cool, cool. I uh my partner and I share a uh a terrier and chihuahua as well. <laughs> Chunk. His name's Chunk. <laughs> awesome. And uh, thank you for sharing, Haley and, D- uh, and Diedrich. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
first, it's not her dog, it's my dog. Oh, okay, okay. And as a matter of fact, <laughs> he is sitting no, in the room. No. He is sitting in the room he's, with me. Oh, no. Oh, he's sitting oh, there with you because he's if he's sitting down, in the room with me. No. So hey, if he's down here with nice. me. If he's Oreo. down here with me, if he's down here with me, any sound that. that he hears down here, he will bark. So if he hears any little sound down here, he'll bark. So the only reason why he's in there with you is because he'll act up if he's with me. That's awesome. So, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm originally from North Carolina. Um, I am a licensed I'm a licensed electrical and systems engineer um, during the day, but none of that really matters to me. It's what I do after hours that matters. Uh, after hours, I'm a dad. I'm a dad. I'm a friend. I'm a brother. I'm a son. Um, all of those things. I'm a uh, podcaster like yourself. I'm a fellow author. Um, we actually changed the name of the book. It actually was The Unlikely Journey, Fire and Gold, but we changed it to The Unexpected Journey, uh, Fire and Gold. Um, Haley is actually my boss. <laughs> I work for her. She's the CEO of the uh, the Rules of a Big Boss LLC. I am the COO. Uh, she's also the publisher of the book. Um, so yeah, she's the boss and absolutely she's leading while I'm following and I'm a, uh, content creator. And the biggest thing about me is I'm very silly, um, all day long. I love to laugh and I love to motivate people and help people out. That's a little bit about me. Amazing. Thank you for sharing, Diedrich. And, um, I'm excited, uh, listeners tuning in and that been seeing their posts are excited. So, are you both ready to dive in? I have my yep. swim trucks and goggles, so I'm ready. All right, all right. So, Haley, we'll start with your story. Um, Haley, what was your story of which brought you a life challenge or struggle? Um, so I can't exactly remember the exact age it was at. It was either six or seven. So during this time, I had this quote-unquote friend. Um who claimed to be one of my best friends when in reality she wasn't. Um, so her and I had stopped being friends because she had tried to touch me sexually, but I wouldn't let her do it. So since I wouldn't let her do it, she got upset. And from that point on, she bullied me and tried to influence me to act up in class when normally in class, I would be like one of the honor students, like all of the teachers loved me. So she tried to encourage me to do things that I wouldn't normally do. And that would get me in trouble and things like that. I would get in trouble. She wouldn't. So that is how that would work. So over time, she kept bullying me, kept bullying me, kept bullying me. She sexually assaulted me again. This time I was caught off guard, so I didn't have enough time to stop her. And that was like the only other time. And that was in aftercare. So. Um, she eventually had apologized once I stopped talking to her, stopped associating myself with her, and she tried to act like she was going to give me a hug. So when she had tried to act like she was going to give me a hug, she ended up like, um, like squeezing me like really tight to the point where it like cut off my air and I couldn't breathe. So my friends that were around like the older kids, cause I was always friends with the older kids, um, they had to pull her off of me and then they had to get me away from her. So that was the first time that she had tried to kill me by suffocating me. And then the second time was, I think it was during the summer when my friends and I and my mom and my dad were there at the pool and her, then 
um, the bully had came out and she came out to the pool too with her mom and her dad, I believe. I think it might've just been her mom, but she had came out there and she knew that I couldn't swim and she knew I couldn't breathe underwater for but so long. So she had tried to drown me once again. My parents weren't paying attention. So once again, the older kids had to pull her off of me once again. So I eventually climbed up, climbed out of the pool and I went back with my mom and we went back inside the house. So that was how that went. So over time, she started to get worse and this like, and ended up as a result of me being afraid to go to school and me being afraid of going outside. So I stayed inside most of the time. I would like fake sick so I wouldn't have to go to school. Um, I wouldn't go outside. I wouldn't do anything. I would just be in the house in my room all day watching Disney Channel. So one day it was having a cookout with my neighbors, which is with the older kids who they were my best friends. So I was having a cookout with my best friends um, and the other people that lived in the neighborhood. And we all went outside and the adults were inside cooking and eating and stuff, watching football. And while I was outside playing with my friends, she had came outside. And like, I don't know why I thought it was a good idea, but like, since I was like mad at the moment, like it was the heat of the moment, I knew I wasn't going to be able to fight back, but I somehow provoked her um, by like saying she wanted to fight me, then go ahead. And that wasn't smart whatsoever. So after I had like provoked the situation, um, she had beat me up. And then the older kids were recording the whole thing and they ended up deleting it because they didn't want my dad to see. So I went back inside and I was like walking with a limp and I was hurt. So I just told my dad that I didn't feel well. I had a headache, which I did have a headache, but I said that I wasn't feeling well. So I just ate and I sat inside. So then my dad had asked me what was wrong and again, and I wouldn't tell him. So eventually when I had went back inside with like at our house, which was next door that night, I had told my dad about the whole situation and about all of the bullying. And when I had told my dad about all of the bullying, um, what did he say? Oh, so he was like, and I said that there was a video and he asked to see it. And I said that I didn't have it. The older kids did, but they deleted it because they didn't want my dad to get mad. So once they had deleted the video, that's like the end, whole entire situation. We had to pretty much go through a lot of legal troubles and stuff. I had to like fight her back and things like that. So this just a long story from there. So then fast forward to the fourth or third grade, I believe. I think it was the third grade. So then I ended up, we had moved away. I was at a new school, new state. And um, 
like I ended up becoming friends with once again, like the super popular girls that everybody liked, who was like everybody said was super pretty and would constantly compare me to. And since she was my quote unquote best friend, she thought it was like okay to like pick fun of my insecurities too. And the thing is, they weren't really insecurities until she started to pick on them. And I didn't even realize I had this stuff until she mentioned it. So I was like, well, if she's saying it, then it must be true. So since I like took everything that she said to heart, that caused some insecurities in me and anybody else who would like try to say stuff about me like that, I will like get super defensive and like immediately attack them. So it was like this switch in my brain that was like, okay, they're close to saying something rude or they said something rude. Okay, now let me attack. So it was kind of something I didn't really have to think about. It just happened and it kind of gotten worse. So then fast forward to the fourth grade. Once again, became friends with the person everybody loved. She was the most popular girl. So since she was like the most popular girl, everybody would once again compare me to her. And I was in that group of that entire group of popular kids and with the guys and the girls. So since I was in that group, once again, I was like considered the ugly one of the group. So they would make fun of me and then I would like make fun of them back and then end up like arguing and and disrupting the class and getting into arguments at recess, getting sent to the principal's office. The principal's office was pretty much like another home for me at that point because I would always be arguing with another one of the guys and they would always make fun of my friends too since I was defensive about it. Like I would always like you have to get involved and things like that. So the time at that time I was like super insecure and I was like questioning everything that I did and I was super rude and defensive because um I didn't want to like be made fun of again I didn't want to get be bullied again so since that had happened then comes the fifth grade once again guys always bothering me would never leave me alone no matter if I told the teacher or not so um the girls Kind of the same thing, except they weren't like super bad. Like I was kind of more frenemies with them. One minute we'd be friends, another minute we'd like be like enemies. We wouldn't really be nice to each other. So it was just kind of like an on and off thing. So we got along, but not super well. So, um, yeah, I got even more defensive over and over again. So that is what kind of resulted in me to stop being friends with my ex best friend because she had gotten like super upset about something that I had said when I thought we were just joking around. So that's how we stopped being friends. So then sixth grade, once again, same exact situation, except this time, um, this guy had put his hands on my friend. So I had punched him in the face. So since I had punched him, surprisingly, I didn't get in trouble for it, but it did cause me to be kind of like a target for the teachers. And that same guy, like he stopped picking on my friend, but he started to make me of a target more, more so. So he would start to like target me. And so would like the other guys. And then when I would like give them like that stare, like I, I was just like, and then in that moment, they would, um, like when I would get super quiet, they would immediately shut up and they would stop attacking me and things like that because they knew I wasn't afraid of punching them in the face. So. I wasn't afraid of insulting them back. So um, then back to the whole friend situation, I started to become like best friends with this one girl after we had bonded over like the same thing. So 
um, once, like, okay, so while we were, while we, like, deemed ourselves as best friends, like, we had that kind of, like, I was kind of, like, a whole lot nicer because I was like, you know what, I don't want to push anybody else away. I don't want to be, like, losing anybody else, like, lose another friend. So she started to have, like, that mean type of friendship that we would have, like, you know, when you would pick on your friend, but you wouldn't really mean. I was like, oh, okay, so she must be okay with it. So we, I had asked her if she was okay with that, and she's like, yeah, cool, that's fine. So that was a kind of friendship that we had, and we would, like, horse play a lot, and then eventually she had said something that was like way out of pocket. And then I said something that was way out of pocket. We stopped talking, made up, and then it went like that over and over again. So this caused a lot of anxiety and this caused like me to be depressed. And this like made my depression like heightened and it was like before because I wasn't really depressed. Like I was, and then I got better and then I started to go back to the same way. So all the insecurities came like flooding back. So she picked on every single thing and then I developed new insecurities. At first I had a more of mental and emotional insecurities. Actually, no, it was more of mental. And then I had physical. And now she adds on emotional, mental, and physical. So I'm just like, okay. So now she's picking on my family members. She's picking on my dog. She's picking on my god siblings. She's picked on every single thing that she can get her hands on that she know I'd be defensive about. So we ended up saying stop being friends over something really stupid. And I had to like build myself up from that point on because she had like really tore me down. And I was like really insecure and really depressed. And that was all because of some of the things that she would say to me and some of the and how the way that she would like make me feel. And especially when I would like compare myself to her, I will always compare myself to every single pretty friend that I had. So I would compare myself to anyone who was popular because I was like, well, if they're considered this and they're considered that and people say they're this and they don't say that I'm this, then does that mean that I'm this? So I would like try to put two and two together and make it seem like it was me and like I was ugly. So like she just added fuel to the flame and it got bigger and bigger and bigger the more I attacked myself. So now she didn't really have to say anything to me. Now I was doing it all on my own. So after we had stopped being friends, um, I started to like, like build myself up from there. Cause I was like, you know what? I don't want to be like this anymore. So I tried to stop focusing on the insecurities and just started praying and reading my Bible. So that's what I did over like the past two weeks after we had stopped being friends. And then I was like, okay, now I'm ready to actually like work on the insecurities and like try to get better. So and every time I would catch myself saying something bad about myself, I would immediately change it to something positive. And then I would watch YouTube videos on YouTube, obviously, <laughs> but um, I would watch like YouTube videos on how to stop feeling insecure. And I would take their advice. I would read like confidence quotes. Um, I learned about positive affirmations and law of attraction. I prayed a lot more. So in that moment, that is when I started to get better and I started to get more positive. And the thing is, like, it was kind of like almost artificial. I was kind of confident, but at the same time, I really wasn't. So I was still pretty defensive, still pretty mean. So, um, like, 
during that whole situation, um, like it was like a thing that could easily be knocked down. So since it was like really small, like my confidence was really low. It, I had some, but not a whole lot. So I would like fake it. And then the moment somebody would say something negative, it would like knock me right back down to square one. So that's the moment I had to like unplug. I stopped talking to really any of my friends and um, I was still on social media, but I started to distract myself on social media rather than seeing all these pretty people and comparing myself and rather than getting into any of these arguments about insecurities and stuff. So um, with that being said, once I like started to get a lot better over the past month and stuff, um, I discovered some of the more things that I loved that I never really paid attention to before while I was like friends with these people because I was more focused on insecurities and more focused on comparing myself rather than focusing on bettering myself and focusing on the things that I love. So I would like take nice bubble baths with candles and things like that. Um, I would listen to music, have like fashion shows. I would design fashion, um, write music, write poetry, do pretty much everything that I love. And then comes December. So this all started probably in like, it's probably started in like March. And then it started, I started to become actually confident in December. So in December, when I was actually confident, um, it couldn't easily be knocked down. You couldn't really tell me anything about myself. And I would just be like, mm. when I was like that, that was the moment I was like, okay. So like, just, I mid left something out, but here's what I left out. So what I left out about that whole thing was like, I try to refrain from like makeup and like really doing my hair up like I usually would do. I really stopped like dressing up and things like that because like, I was like, okay, I have to learn to love myself now. And then I could start doing all that stuff when I realized I don't even need it. So once I finally realized when I didn't even need all this stuff, um, now comes December. So I'm like, okay, now I feel actually confident. Now let me like accentuate some of my features. Let me make myself look a whole lot better. And not only that, but feel better with or without it. So that's the moment I started to experiment with makeup. I started experiment with different ways to do my hair. I used different filters to see how like my hair died, if I would ever dye my hair. So um, I started to do other things that would make me look better, even though I already knew that I looked fine. So, and that helped a lot. And I started to take a lot more pictures. Um, I did a whole lot more things that I loved rather than focusing on insecurities and focusing on every little thing that people would say about me. You could say that I was dumb and I was like, okay, but I know I'm not because this, that, and the other. Okay, you're ugly. Okay, but first of all, you look like that. And second of all, I'm this, I'm that. And I have like God by my side, I have all of this. So I don't really even need this. And then you couldn't tell me literally anything. I would always come up with something to rebuttal with. So then comes January. It gets even more heightened because in this moment, this is when I'm cutting off all the toxicity. Like I still had toxicity in December, except I started to cut off more of it. So I cut off the frenemies that I had. Um, I cut off the people that would always be in competition with me. And once I cut all that off, that's when I started to get more book sales. I started to get more sales when it came to my business. I started to feel a lot more better about myself. And I felt like this entire weight was being lifted off my shoulders. So with that being said, it started my confidence um, went like it like skyrocketed. So um, 
Yeah. And it's like heightening more and more every day. Now I write down positive affirmations every single day. I write down my goals for the day every single day. I journal a lot more. Um, I do journal prompts and I journal. I have like my little like vibe session type things where I'll play music and I'll like on my TV on Spotify, Apple Music or whatever. And I'll just write. And I'll just write, write, write. And I'll write on a pen and paper. I would answer journal prompts. I would be on social media. I would read. That's the moment where I would like stimulate my mind. And this is usually around 4 a.m. But it's pretty late at night when I do all this stuff because it's like a lot more relaxing than in the morning. So now I do those pretty much every Friday and sun and all the way up to Sunday or whenever I have days off of school. So yeah, now I'm not really like nitpicking everything that people say about me and I don't compare myself to anyone else. And now I can help other people with their confidence. Thank you for sharing that, Haley. And, you know, I just want to say, um, I believe that nobody on this planet, especially youth and children should have to go through bullying and, you know, and, and being pushed around like that. You faced a lot of challenges and I think it's really resilient of you and amazing that you were able to um, be self-aware and focus on starting to jumpstart some of those healthy channels and outlets to kind of get away from that negative environment and, and, and the friends that you were surrounding in. And I think it's uh, incredible that at that age, you were able to um, see that and envision that and want to kind of jump forward and move towards more of a positive uh, atmosphere, you know, being around more positive tools and, 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 and writing and, and doing all this stuff that you were mentioning with the hobbies. And I think it's, I think it's super important. And in, in even like, I think it's uh, incredible that you were able to just start searching for stuff on YouTube, you know, like looking for how to do positive affirmations and, and praying and going to God and, and, uh, you know, going to your father, like, um, that's that's very very self-aware and, and and resilient of you and 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 i think that's awesome thank you i um i have one question um what was it like when you were going from grade to grade to grade uh going into the older grades and things were still kind of building on those challenges and what really jump-started you to realize that one day really like, you know what i'm done with this what was like that trigger? Like what were you like, you know what? I deserve better for myself. And you, when you started really utilizing a lot of those uh, healthy and positive tools and resources, um, what was like that jump start for you? Um, It was like, I think it was maybe two, three things. So the first thing was the moment, the moment with this friend of mine that was like the most recent best friend so, which was like last year, probably a year ago, actually. Wow, it was a year ago. But like pretty much that it all started when she had said that she was going back to her hometown because she didn't have any friends here. And I was like, so I take all this time to help you and I'm still your friend because I want to help you and I don't want to hurt you in any way. So I'm staying your friend regardless of what you say to me. So I'm just like, okay. So in that moment, like everything triggered in my brain and I played, replayed every single scenario. I was like, whoa, this girl had tried to push me off the balcony twice. She had did this, she did that. And I'm just like, so the, 
from that point on, I was like, okay, I'm done with this now. So I stopped being friends with her for good, regardless of when she would try to be like, wait, 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 wait I didn't mean it that way. Um, so that like was like a mental trigger. And then the second thing was me not focusing on it regardless, regardless of like how much it hurt to like have to leave somebody like you were like attached to and like you were um, friends with. It was kind of things called it like a soul tie or whatever. But when you have like one of those things, it's like hard to detach from it. So the moment I wouldn't focus on that and wouldn't focus on having to leave my quote unquote best friend. Um, and the moment I just focused on like, praying and reading my Bible and like doing like those, like those lessons that are in the Bible app and focusing on like reading and things like that and writing my book, focusing on that rather than anything else. That was also a jump start telling me that, okay, you deserve better than this. Amazing. You know, I think it's incredible that you were able to be so self-aware and um, you know, I think, um, I'm curious when you started thinking about writing into your journal or start writing your book, um, how did you go about doing that? Were you, were you writing into a journal? Were you doing it on the computer in your notes and what really um, amplified your writing and, and kind of building this book that you've, that you've released and published? Um, I was just, it's like I said before, like in the pre-interview, I had mm -hmm. told you that, like it really just started off as a regular journal. I wasn't really planning to do anything with it. Like I wanted to write a book, but it just originally just started off as a journal to just write down everything, like the things that I did wrong, the things I did wrong in situations, what I could have done better, the things that I worked on about myself, the things that I realized I needed better. So I just wrote all of that down. And it actually started as a note at first that I just wrote down in my phone. I don't have it anymore, but like since I have started yeah, out as a note, <laughs> yeah, then it started out as, then it like transferred over to a journal and then I showed it to my dad and he said it should be a book. That's very cool. I love that. And, uh, you know, I love the support you have from your father and that connection that you both have to kind of move forward in your journey. And, and um, Haley, I, I've uh, I've kind of a strong question here. Um, if so, what was the hardest thing to let go of that really helped push yourself forward from removing all that that negative environment and the friends that you're dealing with? What really um, was the hardest thing to let go of to get to where you wanted to be? Um, it was like my most recent like cutoff thing, which was sometime mid January of this year. I had known this girl for like two years, like since the beginning, beginning of sixth grade. So I had known her for literally two years. And like, so having to cut somebody off that you knew for so long, it, that was like the hardest thing. And then the other hardest thing was also cutting off a girl that I knew for like maybe four years. I knew her since the early beginning of fourth grade. So since I knew her for so long, I didn't want to have to like let that go either. But we still talk. I still talk to some of these people, but we're not really friends anymore. And that was like the hardest thing to let go of is no letting go of someone that you've known for so long and has been your best friend for so long. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that, Haley. Yeah, it, it is really tough to to let go of people that you care and love about. 
And I feel like sometimes in this life that we live, you know, we go through these stages and these experiences and sometimes we go through those wars and those battles with people that we do love and, and, and really care about. And, but once you find that self-love and start really recognizing um, what you truly want for yourself and your heart and your happiness and your joy and your peace, um, sometimes it means letting go of those ones that are kind of like chaining you down. And um, I think that's incredible that you were able to push yourself forward and, and to let go. Um, if so, what would you have done differently to overcome any of the experiences you went through? Was there anything else that you might think of that um, you would have done differently? Um, the thing that I probably would have done differently is refraining from saying something that I shouldn't have said. I thought of like, it came out of a place of love, but I didn't realize that it would be hurtful. I didn't think it would be. So from that is probably like the thing that I definitely would have done different. And then the other thing that I would have done different is threatening something. Like it wasn't a super bad threat, but it was definitely something that I shouldn't have said. So with the little threats here and there, that wasn't a good idea whatsoever. I'm not going to repeat it because not my place to share. And I said that I wouldn't and I keep my word. So I definitely regret some of the things that, well, not regret, but I definitely wish I didn't say some of the things that I said. Hmm. But I'm also glad that I did because if I didn't, I wouldn't have seen her true colors and I wouldn't have seen exactly who she was. So if it wasn't for me saying those things, she wouldn't have acted this way. She wouldn't have said some of these things. So if she hadn't have said that, we probably would have still been friends now. So, and I wouldn't have seen some of the toxicity that she had and some of the toxicity that I had too. So I am glad that I said it and it was in the heat of the moment. I wouldn't say that it wasn't, that it was a good thing that I did, but um, it's definitely something that I don't regret. I don't have any regrets in the entire situation because I did what felt right in the moment, even though it wasn't right. Mm. Well, said. well said you know and i i think that's uh i think it's like really important that you know we learn from those experiences and things do happen for a reason and you know god has a plan for all of us and i just want to say like one i'm proud proud of you to be where you are today you know to go through um such a battle at a, at a young age and to be where you are now um so resilient and having your book out and i want to get into now Let's talk about this book. You got the rules of a big boss, a book of self love. Um, tell us about tell us tell us about the book and and let's dive in a little bit and and you know who would it help um, and you know who would it inspire and what was um, besides the journal like what were like the really main uh, points that really um, inspired you to get this out there. Um, the person who inspired me was my fourth grade teacher. Whenever the class would like act up, she would have these long talks with us and it would take up almost the entire class. So since she would just talk, 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 talk. And she had mentioned this one thing. And to this day, I'm still like, wow. So um, she was talking about her daughter who had this one friend who had wrote a book. I don't remember if she was younger than us. No, she was younger than us. So she was younger than us. She wrote this book. Um, she was traveling the entire world. She went to places like Africa. She went to Australia and she was signing people's books and things like that. She was on the verge of writing another one and she was pretty much like building wealth up for herself. And I was like, wow, this girl is younger than me. 
And here I am, like, still worried about, like, insecurities and still arguing with people and always in the office for something that I did. And I'm always doing something. And here she is writing a book and being so unproblematic. And here I am. I'm just like, wow. So that was my biggest inspiration was my teacher saying that. Shout out to your teacher. You know, that's so cool. And it's it's awesome that we have these positive influences and in, in, in professionals and teachers that sometimes can inspire us to to follow our passion and our dreams. So shout out to your teacher. If she's ever going to listen and tune in, watch the recap video. Um, incredible. Um, she's on Facebook. Her name is Alicia Folk. Alicia Folk. So shout out Alicia. Thank you so much for inspiring Haley to be where she is today with the rules of a big boss, a book of self-love. Now, Haley, where can, um, where can, if, if, um, listeners tuning in and, um, young adults or children, youth and, and, and women out there who, who need some of this inspiration and motivation and, and some of these amazing, incredible words in this book, um, where can they get this book? Um, you can get it off of my website, which is, www.thebookofselflove.com. You can get it from Shelves Bookstore if you live in North Carolina. You can get it from Styles Plus Beauty Salon. You can get it from Book Mecca. And then lastly, you can get it off of Amazon. Amazing. And everyone listening in, tuning in, you can um, you could reach out to Haley here. Her, uh, her tag for Instagram and Facebook is the Book of Self Love 2020. Haley, if... Um, you had any words of uh, wisdom or some insight and in, in, in your best advice of what you went through and where you are today. What, what's something that you would be able to share to, uh, to young students out there who may be currently going through bullying and, and currently going through some challenges in, in today? Um, first off, I would tell them like, and like stand up for yourself. And I'm not saying like fight them or anything, but, like definitely stand up for yourself. Don't let anybody just walk all over you because in the end, you're the one who's getting hurt and they're just like, that's just making everything worse for you. So use your words, like stand up for yourself. Don't let people talk down on you. Don't just be a doormat and take every single thing because that gives them the power. And if you let them do stuff to you, they're going to keep doing it. And they're going to think, oh, well, she's not going to do anything about it. So let me just keep doing it. So, well, she or he, but- um, definitely stand up for yourself and tell anybody that you can. If they won't do anything about it, then you just got to figure it out and pray about it. Thank you, Haley, for sharing that. It's amazing. And, you know, I wanted to, um, I wanted to, uh, put on the show here uh, on the screen, some, uh, Haley, you got a lot of, uh, love and support here. So we have, um, a couple comments here on the live stream. So we got congratulations, Haley. Uh, I can't pronounce this name. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Khadija. Khadija Bell on Facebook here. She's saying congratulations, Haley. We also have Tiffany. She's sending some love. And she's also saying good for you, little cousin. So we got some uh, we got some support here. And, uh, you know, it's it's amazing, uh, Haley, what you're doing today. And um Right now, with your with your um with your brand actually, and some of the merchandise uh, around the book, um, what are you doing today for your community? What are you doing today for your clients, and and what is your future goals and plans um 
you know, moving forward? Um, I plan to get into law school, continue writing books, um, like get into like professional modeling while in college. I also plan to, um, oh, I also plan to become, like I said, go to law school, become a lawyer, then become a judge on my own law firm. Um, live in a nice penthouse, have, I really want to have my own plane. It might not happen, but one, it might, it might, it might happen. <laughs> so awesome. just, so just you love to fly. You love to fly. No, no, no. I love to have the luxury to fly. I want to be oh, able. Okay, okay. And if I'm <laughs> able to go somewhere quick, I don't want to have to like, like plan it out and then do all that stuff. I want to just be able to get on the plane and just go. And Plus, like you could have like that really nice expensive champagne. So, and I could just like <laughs> put that all over Instagram, and I would just be like, so take a lot of pictures and things like that. So, cool. yeah, I plan to like set myself up for wealth, and if I ever decide to have children, like since I once I adopt like four children, two boys, one girl, two girls, two boys. Um, I want to be able to set them up for success and then for like all of my like family to come. I want to be able to support them. I want to be able to have my own charity. My goal is to have like at least two charities, one for cancer, one for like homeless or for the children that needs help with the adoption and foster care stuff like that so i want to be able to like donate and i want to be able to set up my family for old money and new money so yeah amazing Amazing. and and you know what Haley, you're gonna get there i believe that uh if you continue to focus on the goals and those positive channels focus on your uh on your everyday goals and your everyday dreams um and work hard you're gonna get there and uh like i said i'm proud of you i believe in you and I think it's amazing what you're doing for your community and for the young people out there. So people listening in and tuning in, anyone catching this recap video, you can please connect with Haley Moon. She is on Instagram and Facebook. Like again, the tag is the book of self-love 2020. Please go grab her book. If you want to feel some love, the rules of a big boss, a book of self-love it's on Amazon. Uh, what are the other two? The website, your website and thebookoflove.com yes. amazon shelves um and book mecca amazing book mecca thank you so much Haley, for sharing your story um very powerful and, in- and inspiring and um i want to pass the mic i want to do a positive transition here and pass that microphone to diedrich uh father of Haley, aka the dad manager diedrich how are you doing tonight it's your time I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself, T-Man? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm very grateful uh, to have you both on the show tonight and, and, and to hear Haley's story, you know, just now in the past 40 minutes. Um, it's super inspiring, you know, and if I have kids one day, I would want them to read Haley's book. And, oh, wow. you know, I... Thank you. Oh, 100%. You know, I believe that, um, you know, young people out here in the world and, and our children and our youth... Um, they have knowledge, they have experience, and you know, they're just as equal as, as us older folks. And I believe that that connection and that and that self awareness and sharing that story um, can not only bring healing to the world, but it also can bring that connection 
and that ability to share and come together in a positive way. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling grateful. And uh, I want to, I want to ask DJ uh, here, my friend, um, what is your story of which brought you a life challenge or a struggle? Well, a couple of several different things. I'm not going to um, really get in. I'm only going to touch on the book for a few minutes, but then I'm going to really give you the meat. Okay. So the book that we have, The Unexpected Journey, uh, Fire and Gold, comes out on this Saturday. We chose this Saturday because it's a celebration of my birthday. And that mm-hmm. book goes into a deeper dive um, into what Haley experienced in the um, second and third grade regarding the bullying, the sexual assault, and things of that nature. Um, it goes into explicit detail and the details that were left out in the um, the unexpected. I'm sorry, that were left out in the rules of a big boss, a book of self love. And it segues away from that and it goes into the experiences that I had that were associated with it. Um, there were uh, issues with me having a fight with the school board. Um, there were issues with me having a fight with the state attorney, um, the prosecutor, things of that wow. nature, uh, because I had the audacity to tell Haley to, to go out and defend herself. I ended up getting criminally prosecuted and charged with second degree assault on a minor when I never touched a child. All I did was told Haley to fight back. Um, and then it goes into the legal challenges that were associated with that and all of the turmoil and whatnot. Um, shout out to uh, Miranda. I'm not going to say her last name. She's on Facebook too. She knows what I'm talking about. Uh, she my legal case. Um, but it goes into all of that and it goes into the issues uh, with my job and everything. I've really lost uh, everything as a result of what Haley went through. And But despite losing everything, we ultimately came out gold. The book is a, um, it's a journey of turmoil and how you come out of that turmoil and find something beautiful in the end. It's an inspirational book and it basically says, hey, we went through hell but we survived. We weren't burned. This is what came out and something good came out of it. And if something good came out of it for us, something good will come out of whatever journey you're going through. So it's very much an inspirational book and a book of healing. Um, But as I said, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that and rehashing things. Um, I'm going to go back to myself and um, reveal a personal journey that's not in the book. And this is a story that Haley and I are going to tell one day. So my plan was that eventually, um, as Haley got older, I planned on writing an autobiography, or I'm sorry, my autobiography. And I wanted to wait until she was between 18 and 22 uh, before we started writing it, because I wanted her to be, you know, mature enough to be able to handle everything that I was going to share with her, um, you know, about myself, about my issues and things as a child and about, you know, the things that I experienced growing up. And my plan was I was going to just tell her the stories and I was going to have her write it. And I would say, you know, more or less she will be my, I don't want to say ghostwriter, um, but it was in essence that, or looking at it like how um, King David passed the plans for building the temple down to Solomon, King Solomon. Mm-hmm. So looking at it like that, here's the framework. Here's what I want you to say. You write it. This is your story. I'm giving it to you and I'm gifting it to you because 
I'm handing it off to you. I'm going to give you daddy's story and then it's going to transition into our story. But, um, and that was my plan for us for the future. But, you know, life gave us a different plan and said, you know, you should actually start now instead of waiting until later, tell a memoir, see how the memoir goes. And with the memoir, you're going to tell a seven year journey. If that goes well, then you guys release the second book in the future when she's older. So anyway, to get into the autobiography. So I grew up without my dad. And I didn't know anything about him until I was 16 years old. And um, my mom had me when she was 21. And um, I believe she was in, she was an undergrad when she had me. And uh, my mom, you know, student loans were a thing back then. So my mom had to work like two or three jobs to be able to pay for college. And uh, she paid her own way through. And she wasn't getting any child support or anything like that from my dad. So she also had to work the two or three jobs to make sure that I had everything that I needed and most of what I wanted. So with my mom always being at work or in class, you know, when I'm between ages of zero and five, I mainly lived with my grandmother, uh, my granny. Then eventually, once my mom finished school, she graduated from the University of North Carolina in 1983. And once my mom graduated from sorry from grad school, she wanted me to come start spending more time with her, living with her. I didn't want to because I was used to Granny's house. I was used to Granny and everything, and I just didn't want to go. Um, my mom's feelings were hurt, and my grandma said, son, you're going to have to go with your mom. And I was like, I don't want to, but I went. Um, that didn't go all that well. Um, my mom and I really didn't get along. Um, and we really didn't have a bond. My bond was with my grandmother. And uh, even when I went with my mom, my mom had to continue to work those two or three jobs because, as I said, she wasn't getting any support from my dad. So I grew up, I would see other people in the neighborhood uh, get picked up by their dads and stuff like that, or their dads went in the house and things of that nature. And I was like the only one in the whole community that, didn't have a dad. I was the only one at the school that didn't have a dad. Uh, football practices, basketball games, and stuff like that. I was the only person who didn't have a dad or anything like that there. And it caused a lot of anger with me, sadness, and depression. Well, one day I was sitting in the somewhere in my grandmother's house. I'm sorry, let me back up for a second. What I did have is I always had an uncle, an uncle Tony. Um, and Uncle Tony was my quasi dad when I was much younger. Um, Uncle Tony bought me my first bike. Uh, I mean, he was always just there for me. He was my first football coach, everything. And um, anything that I needed that my mom couldn't afford to get, Uncle Tony would get. And uh, I, I overheard a conversation one day. Um, and my mom and my grandma and them were talking. And they were talking about my dad. And I heard someone say that my dad's name was Tony. So I said, Tony? I only know one Tony. So if that's Tony and Tony is my dad's name, are they trying to say that Uncle Tony's my dad? And no one has ever told me? And, you know, maybe that's why Uncle Tony is so nice to me or whatever. So you can understand where the confusion came in, right? Mm -hmm. So I started calling Uncle Tony um, 
as time went on, I started thinking Uncle Tony was my dad secretly. And I started calling him dad. And Uncle Tony looked at me like I was crazy one day when I called him dad and asked me why was I calling him that. And I said, man, you know why. So Uncle Tony, um, he was like, no, I don't. So we kept going back and forth, back and forth. And Uncle Tony, I finally told Uncle Tony, he said, son, I'm not your dad. I am your brother. I am your uncle and I'm your mother's brother. And I said, but I heard you, my, someone say that my dad's name is Tony. He said, there's more than one Tony in the world. And um, and he said, there's a story about your dad. I would love to tell you, but you're too young. I can't tell you. That's your mother's story to tell. And she will tell you as you grow older. Whether that was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, I don't know. Um, that created a downward spiral for me. And I became very angry. I became very hostile. Um, I became oppositionally defiant. I became um, self-destructive. I mean, I just became a horrible person. Um, you know, they say that the glass is half full or the glass is half empty. No, the glass was uh, a quarter of the a quarter empty for me. Um, and I mean, I was just depressed. So I was depressed like it. Let's see seven, eight years old. Um, and as I grew older and grew from a, um, an adolescent to a teenager, I started to become even more depressed, especially once my eyes went bad and I started needing uh, glasses and I needed, uh, and I developed acne and everything. I just started to feel ugly. I didn't feel loved. I didn't love myself. I was mad at the world. And man, I was suicidal. And I never made any attempts on my life or anything to that effect because my I was raised better than that. But the thought would cross my mind often to just do it, you know, um, whatever. And the biggest reason why I wouldn't do it is like, you know, even though life is hard now, for me to kill myself uh, will relegate me to internal damnation. And that eternal damnation is worse than what I'm experiencing right here. But as I said, my depression, anger, confusion, and everything just created this very toxic person. And I was horrible to everyone that was um, attached to me. I was a horrible friend. I was a horrible brother. I was a horrible son. I mean, just anything. I just was not a very good person. The oppositionally defiance, you know, revealed itself, you know, like as I got old enough to uh, get a job and things of that nature, um, I was always getting fired from jobs and I was always getting fired from jobs because I wasn't going to let anyone tell me what to do. And uh, the worst thing to do was to tell me to do anything. If you told me to do something, I was going to have to fold. Um, you had to ask me. You had to be very nice in how you asked me. But to tell me to do something was a trigger for me. Um I was uh, destructive, like I broke things all the time. Um, I mean, I was just horrible. I destroyed property. Um, and all of this stuff dealt with, you know, my feeling of love, my feeling unworthy, and um, things of that nature. And I didn't feel like anyone loved me besides God and my grandmother. I didn't think that my mom loved me. I didn't think realize that my mom actually loved me until I was about 27, 28 years old. And my thing was, if no one, if my mom didn't love me, 
no one else could. If I didn't love myself, no one else could. And, you know, I often wondered why I was here. And, you know, all of these feelings tied back to not having a dad. Well, when I became about 13 years old, my mom started dating this guy um, named Terry Westry. And uh, Terry's on Facebook, hi, Pop. Um, my mom and he dated for several years, and Terry ended up adopting me as his son. It took years before I finally accepted it and realized what I had um, because I was so in a I was so deep into a place of hurt that I could not see what was in front of me. I couldn't literally could not see myself out of a paper, out of a brown paper bag. So this man man came in, loved on me, treated me like I was actually his own son and everything. But I rejected it. Um, because I didn't feel like I was worthy of that type of love and acceptance and things of that nature. So it wasn't until I was about maybe 20, early 20s before I finally started accepting. But anyway, um, moving along. So I'm in my early to mid 20s and I have just left a bridge of just burnt bridge. I'm sorry, I left a path of burnt forest destruction and bridges and everything around me. And I wanted people to hurt. And I wanted people to hurt because I hurt. I bullied people because I felt unloved. I was extremely silly because when I was laughing was the only time I was happy. I was never a happy person. Um, If I wasn't laughing or joking, I wasn't happy. So anyway, um, fast forward to college. So I met this uh, lady um, and she and I started off as friends and uh, we eventually ended up starting dating and got engaged. And she told me that I had a lot of anger, anger, rage and hostility in me and I needed to address it. And until I addressed it, I was going to continue to burn the forest uh, to spite the trees or whatever. And you know, the trees give you life but I was just going to continue to burn them. And I didn't listen. Um, It took her probably about a good two, three years to get me to listen. And uh, she tried everything that she could to try and get me to reconcile with my birth father. And I just wouldn't do it. I wasn't willing to accept it or anything to that effect. And um, she would ask me his name and things of that nature. She would say, I'm going to look him up and I'm going to call him and I'm going to get you two together. And I'll say, no, 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 no. If you do it, I'll never forgive you. Uh, he had a choice. He didn't make, he, he had a choice. He chose not to be in my life and this, that, and the third. And to just go back a little bit, um, my, my hurt became rage at the age of 16. So at the age of 16, my mom sat me down and she told me about my dad. And when she told me about my dad, um, she said, do you want to meet him or whatever? And I said, yeah. So he comes over and uh, he talked. We talked. We had his long, great conversation and everything. And um, he apologized to me for never being there, promised he would make up for it, told me that I had two sisters. He wanted us to meet. And this, that, and the third, and that, you know, we were going to have a better path forward than we had path behind us. And this, that, and the third, and I bought a hook, line, and sinker. Um, well, that following week, uh, the weekend, he came back, and he told my mom that he wanted to get a DNA test to validate that I was his son. 
uh, once more. Um, so I said, okay. And I asked my mom, wasn't the DNA test already done? She said, yes. And she said, well, I asked her what were the results. And she said that the results, there were two tests. One test was inconclusive. The other one said that you were her son. And I said, okay, so now we're getting a third one or he's wanting a third one to, you know, break the tie. She said, yes. I said, okay, is he going to pay for it? She said, I don't think so. And I said, what do you mean you don't think so? She said, I don't think he's going to pay for it. Um, and I said, okay, well, let me ask you this. Has he ever bought me a pack of diapers or ever done anything for me? No, is what my mom said. Has he ever paid your child support? No. Has he ever bought me any formal? No. That's okay. Well, if he hasn't ever done anything for me, he should be burned uh, the brunt of this cost. Um, it shouldn't be uh, incumbent upon you to have to pay for it. So if he wants to do the, me to do the DNA test, he has to pay for it. If he's unwilling to pay for it, I'm not going to take it. So he went back to, she went back to my dad. He said that no, he wasn't going to pay for it. His plan was dad. He would pay for his and I, my mom would pay for my, mine. And I told my mom, it's no deal. Um, I don't want him in my life. I have everything that I need in you, saying my mom, Granny, and the guy who claims me as my as a son, Terry, uh, who also claims my father. Anywho, um, this started the spiral of anger in me. I'm sorry, not anger, rage. So now I go from being hurt to just being a raging animal and a raging beast. And this is where I really start to burn the forest at the age of 16. So fast forward, I'm about 18, 19 years old, and I'm working in a grocery store called Bala. Took my grandmother uh, grocery shopping for Thanksgiving. And we got stopped by this guy in the store. And my grandmother's having this long discussion with this guy. And she asked him, does, in the middle of the discussion, she points to me and she says, do you know who this is? And she points to me. And he looks like, yeah. And he raises his hand slowly. And I raised mine back. And we shook hands. And uh, uh, we shook hands. He said, how you been doing, young man, and this, that, and the third, and blah, blah. I said, I've been doing well or whatever, blah, blah. Fast forward a little bit. My grandma and I leave the store, and we get in the car. She gets in the car, put the groceries in the car. And I ask her, Granny, who was that guy? And she said, you know who that was. No, I don't. Uh, so we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. She finally tells me that the guy's name's Tony. And I said, Tony? Who the hell's Tony? Um, I only know two Tonys, and he definitely isn't one of those. So she said, you know Tony. No, I don't. This is my, it was the expression on my face. Yes, you do. Granny, no, I don't. She said, that was Tony Don, Diedrich, that was Tony Donnell. I said, Tony Donnell? Tony Donnell? If his name was Tony Donnell, Granny, that was my dad. She said, that was your dad. And I said, what? And at this point, I raised my voice to my grandma and I cussed at her for the first time ever in my life. And I said, why the F didn't you tell me that's who that was? If you would have told me who that was, I would have refused to shake his hand. If anything, I would have spit in his hand. I would have slapped his hand. I would have punched him in the face or something like that. 
As I told you, I was very angry. I burned the forest. I would have acted a fool in that store because I was had so much rage in me. And she said, well, I'm glad you didn't know. And I'm glad you didn't realize it because I would have been embarrassed and I would have been ashamed of you and I raised you better than that in the stand third. So, um, like I said, I'm like 18, 19, I'm in college or whatever, and things just keep getting worse or whatever. Well, my uh, girlfriend at the time said, you need counseling. You need to go to therapy. You need to really get help to deal with that anger um, if you're not going to reconcile your uh, feelings with your dad. And I pushed everyone away from me. Um, I didn't let anyone get close to me. And if someone did get close, I pushed them away. And I would do everything to make people around me miserable. And I would say, I knew you didn't love me. I knew you didn't care about me because you chose to leave. I knew once you really saw me for who I was and saw the toxicity that was in me, I knew you would leave. A lot, some, a lot chose to leave. Some chose to stay. Why those that chose to stay, stay? God only knows. I thank them to this day that they put up with me because I put them through hell. Um, but she, uh, M- Melissa, eventually got me to go to counseling and therapy. I didn't think that I was angry, but she kept telling me and telling me and telling me. And eventually I decided I'm going to ask other people and see if there's any merit to what she's saying. So um I asked other people, they said, yeah, yeah, you're pretty messed up, man. You do need to go to counseling. So I said, okay, fine. So I went to therapy and, I, um, you know, you get six free sessions or whatever. And, uh, you know, the therapist's diagnosis was that you indeed are angry and you have a lot of feelings that are associated with your dad. You have feelings that are associated with your mom. But most of all, the person that you're angry with, angriest with is you're angriest with yourself. And you need to forgive yourself before you can forgive other people. And you need to practice having a short memory. And when you practice and learn how to have a short memory, it becomes easier for you to forgive people. It will become easier for you to forgive yourself. Stop judging the big picture of things. Consider each day, day by day, each moment, moment by moment. But get what this person said or did yesterday. Each day is a new day. Wash the slate clean every day. Wash it clean every moment or whatever. And you will find yourself starting to forgive and you will find yourself getting to forget and you will find in time that you will be a better person. I said, all right, man, whatever, I'll try it. I tried it and he was right. Um, so by this time, I'm about 27 or so. Okay. So fast forward and now we're starting to catch up or whatever. So um, 29, get married have a daughter, um, skipping a lot of steps now, get married, have a daughter, Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Haley. <laughs> get married, have a daughter. Um, and I realize that, you know, I am going to have to get custody of my, my daughter and that it's incumbent upon me to raise her. And, you know, I, I can't just be a weekend dad or, uh, uh, every other weekend, dad, I have to be a old time dad and I have to be a parent. So I got custody of her in June of 2010. At this time, she was two going on three. 
And man, I don't know nothing about, I don't know anything about girls. I don't know how to do hair or anything to that effect. And it is pretty much trial by trial by fire, forged by fire. That's what it says on my shirt. It says it on Haley's shirt too. So I had to learn everything. Um, and in time, what I learned was that I had, my pain had a purpose. And my pain had a purpose because I needed to suffer. And I realized at this time that God's ways, I mean, you know, it's always written that it's written down that his ways are beyond our ways. I knew it. I read it, but I didn't truly appreciate it. I didn't truly appreciate it until I realized that my pain had a purpose. God needed me to suffer because through my suffering as a child, teenager and young adult, I was able to recognize that my daughter was suffering and because and no one could save her from her suffering but me. I could identify and understand the pains that she was going through because I've lived them. I've seen them. And this down the third. And when she came to me when she was two and begged me crying at the age of uh, that she wanted to stay with me, I understood her pain and I said, "Okay." Daddy will do whatever I have to do to bring you home and bring you home for good. If I have to flip the earth on its axis, I will do whatever I have to do. I dropped to my knees and I prayed to God and I said, God, make it so. Put the resources in my um, in my path or in my place or in my hands so that I could do what you need me to do. And I realized that, you know, I thought it was his calling for me to get her, but I wasn't sure. I said, I need affirmation. I need confirmation. If it is, I need the money because it cost me $20,000 to fight for her. I'm going to say that again. It cost $20,000 US to fight for my daughter. And I won. And, you know, God delivered. Unexpected checks just started popping up in the mail. And I was like, where's this money coming from? Got a check this week, unexpected. Got another check this week, unexpected. They just started popping up, popping up, popping up. Ill-equipped, don't know how to bathe a little girl, don't know how to do her hair or anything like that. And these were some of the struggles that I had. But I learned and figured it all out in time. And now it's become autopilot. And it's autopilot largely because she's older now and she's less dependent upon me for things that I had to do um, when she was much younger. But anyway, what I learned was that my dad did me a favor and he did me a favor by not being involved in my life because with him not being involved in my life, I was able to be raised by my grandmother and being raised by my grandmother was the blessing that I didn't know that I needed. And it wasn't the, and it, I, it was also the blessing that my future child would need. So, by my dad not being involved, my mom always being at work, I had to be raised by Granny. And Granny planted several seeds in me over the years that I didn't know that she planted. Those seeds began to take root when I'm sorry, not take root. They began to bloom when I got custody of my daughter, and God needed to make me into a new person. It was during this time when I'm 31, 32 or so, where I started to realize, wow, your dad did you a favor by not being involved in your life. You've 
been angry and hostile towards this man all these years without realizing the blessing that was on the back end. You were like Meshach, Shadrach, or Abednego because you were in fire and you were in the fire of anger, but God bought you out and you had to suffer so that the generation that follows you doesn't have to suffer. You are going to break this ge the generational curse that your father started. You're going to break the generational curse that your father's father started. And you're going to break it through your pain because you're not going to pass that pain forward. That pain is going to stop at is going to stop at two generations. So as I sat back and I struggled with, you know, how to raise a daughter and things of that nature, I would always just ask myself, what did granny do? Uh, when she was trying to raise you and she was trying to, she was struggling with a, a boy who had all these emotional problems and things of that nature. What did she do? And I found myself having this reservoir of experience and love that was within me that allowed me to be able to do the impossible and be able to do things that other guys couldn't do. So I had to teach her about, you know, about boys. I had to talk with her about PMS, goodness gracious. I had to talk to her about, you know, take a bra shopping and stuff like that. I have to hear about her little girl stuff that I don't want to hear. Um, and I mean, you, you just name it. Sometimes I have to wear, the, uh, sometimes I get to wear pants, sometimes I have to wear a skirt. And what I mean by that is I don't have the option of just being a dad. I have to be a parent. And because my dad was not a dad to me, he blessed me with the ability to be a parent. All of that anger within me created a fire and it created a fire for me to be better than he was. So as I grew older um, or whatever, through my daughter, I learned to forgive him even more. And then as I began to forgive him even more, once I hit 37, my mom sat me down and she said, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. It's not for me to tell you but I'm going to tell you anyway, because you need to know. I always hoped that someone on his side of the family would tell you, but since they have it, I am going to tell you. Here's why we I withheld telling you about him until he was 16 years old. I'm not going to share that story because it's not for me to tell. And people on this side of the family don't know. I know. Mm -hmm. But once I learned his truth, or his full truth, I realized that my dad was never a villain in this story. He was the victim. And people in my family allowed me to be angry with him for decades. And, you know, it doesn't absolve him from wrongdoing, but not as, but he didn't have as much wrong, didn't do as much wrong as I thought. And I learned to forgive him even more. And then it explained to me or it clarified to me why they, why um, my mom waited until I was 16 to tell me. She thought that finding out my full truth would break me as my dad finding out his whole truth broke him. My dad couldn't be a dad to me because he was a broken man and he never really truly healed. Um, and, you know, my mom didn't want to risk that same thing happening to me. And with all of that being said, God had a purpose. So through it all and just, you know, learning the truth and realizing that God had a plan all along and he needed me to hurt and be angry, I began to forgive and I let go. 
And I went back and I said, you know what? That same forest that I burned, let me go plant some seeds and let me pour some water over it. Let me go back and see if I can undo some of the damage and destruction that I've created. And, you know, in some cases I, I was able to, in other cases I wasn't. But, you know, you can't live life in the past. You can only live life in the future. So, you know, that's a large part of what the book is about. It's about, you know, yeah, you went through the fire, but man, you got to focus on what's on the other end of the fire. Walk out of it and come into the gold. And, you know, so in doing all of this, I started to really embrace Ecclesiastes 3.1, where it says we press towards the high mark of the calling. And uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. He is born anew. So now I'm mm-hmm. no longer this angry and depressed and broken man and toxic vessel. Now I'm a loving, jovial, I'm loving, jovial, motivational. I'm moody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haley will definitely tell you I'm moody. I'm hot and cold. <laughs> and um, But for the most part, I'm very jovial and silly and fun acting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is, you know, through both of our books, we want to help other people and help other people heal through our pain. We have both been through a litany of it, but her pain had a purpose. But because of her pain, she's able to help other children and not only children, but grown women too, to motivate them and help them. And through my pain, you see the effects of my pain are evident in her. But you know, also too, being able to motivate people, being a big brother and things of that nature. The guy who I refer to as my dad, <laughs> he says that I'm his hero. And it's funny because I say that Haley's my hero. And the biggest thing was, is the mindset shift. Dude, you were worried about a, a guy who didn't choose you to be his son when you got a guy who doesn't even share your DNA, who chose you to be his son. Why are you angry? You got a guy that chose you. Love him. Appreciate him and appreciate the fact that God gave you a gift. No, he didn't really give you a birth father, but he did give you a guy who calls you son and you need to call him dad too. So that was the, so that too pushed us along or whatever. And I appreciate Terry Westry for being the father that I didn't know that I needed. Um, and I appreciate my dad, uh, Tony Donnell, for not being a dad. Because if he was not a dad, I would not be able to be who I am to Haley today. And Haley would have continued to suffer. And Haley would not be out here motivating other people or whatever. Haley might have Haley might have been dead, um, if I'm being completely honest. Um, so I appreciate all of the pain that I went through because it all had a purpose and that purpose was gainfulness, not just for me, not just for Haley, but for people all around. And it was proof and evidence that God knew what he was doing by allowing me to suffer as a child. Thank you for sharing that, Diedrich. Um, What an amazing and powerful story. And I love your journey. And I just want to say shout out to your gran- granny, grandma, you know, she, she's an absolute blessing. And I think it's amazing that she was able to be an inspiration and a guide for you. And, you know, I think it's uh, also incredible that um, you have this connection with Haley and you're able to both um, share each other's stories and grow together 
on the success and this journey that you're on. And I think it's so amazing. And, you know, I, I hope that other parents and maybe fathers and daughters and mothers and sons, you know, that, that connection that uh, they feel inspired from, from your, from your story that you've shared tonight. Thank you. Of course. And, um, you know, I'm really grateful to have you on the show tonight. I love you both. You guys are amazing people and you're doing amazing things. And, um, you know, Diedrich, I wanted to ask, uh, out of everything that you went through uh, in those battles, what was the hardest thing to let go of to help push yourself forward? The hardest thing to let go of was to forgive and to practice having a short memory. Um, I mean, so much has been done. But I just had to learn to let it go. And the hardest person for me to forgive was my ex-wife. I held on to anger to her for years. But finally, you know, I had to come to this. And I, I had to thank my sisters and Andrea Evans and Deona. Dang, I forgot. The, I can't remember her last name. Andrea and Deona, if y'all are listening right now, shout outs to y'all. Shout out, um, shout out. Um, they told me, basically, everyone has heard this statement. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. So set the baseline appropriately. If someone has showed you they're only going to do this, you shouldn't expect them to do this. If you're expecting them to do this, you're setting your own self up for failure. You're setting yourself up for anger. Expect them to do no more than this. Always set your expectations accordingly from here on down. Never put your expectations upon other people. You will always find yourself disappointed. When they show you who they are, believe them or whatever, okay? And so it was hard for me to reconcile that with um, with people, uh, with everyone, uh, in particular my ex-wife. And they told me this over and over again. And one day it finally clicked and I finally listened. And they said, you know, you are making yourself angry. You're hurting yourself because you are setting expectations up here and you're expecting people to be like you. You are up here, but maybe most of the population is down here. Set your expectations with the uh, majority of the population. And if they exceed it, then great. But always expecting to be down here. So once I finally got to that point of listening to them and hearing them, of trusting people where they are and believing in where they are, it became so easy to forgive and forget because I no longer had high expectations of people. And once my expectations dropped to people, I found myself not getting angry with people anymore, getting frustrated or feeling let down. It just became, a, hey, that's that's him, that's her or whatever, uh, or that's him being him or whatever. And, you know, I did all that and then it just became much easier to forgive people or whatever. So that was the biggest struggle for me, learning how to forgive and set my expectations accordingly. Thank you, DJ, for sharing. And um, if so, what would you do differently to overcome what you went through? Is there anything that you would have done differently? Take your time. Um, take your time to stop and smell the roses and focus on what you have and not what you don't have. I had so much in front of me and so much to be happy about, and I didn't realize it. And I spent so much time being angry, hurt, and everything, and not realizing, dude, you had a really charmed life. You just didn't realize it. And you didn't realize it because you were so stuck in a place of hurt and pain. 
Thank you for sharing, Diedrich. Thank um, you. Powerful story. And, you know, I feel your story. And, um, you know, I just want to say how grateful I am to have you both on our show tonight. Diedrich, um, what are you doing today for your community? And and I know that you have a book coming out that you were talking about. Could we, uh, you know, on the journey of that you are on now and, and that you've overcome that whole experience and where you are now with Haley, um, what's this book about? Um, when is it released? I know you mentioned about your birthday coming up too. Mm-hmm. It's with the birthday release, which I think is awesome. Thank so, you. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about your book uh, quickly here. So, um, for about the community, um, as I said, it's uh, called the, um, the Unexpected Journey: Fire and Cold. Mm. And the synopsis of it is: it says something to the effect of. This is a journey of a single father who risked it all to provide for and protect for his daughter, follow along and learn how he survived criminal prosecution, discrimination, retaliation, and repudiation only to come out, only to come out gold, um, using it with his daughter as his co-author and um, also as his publisher. So one of the things is, as as far as the community question was, <laughs> this is funny, um, or the irony is um, I was on the fence about whether or not to write this book. My mom told me in October, Haley and I were visiting with my mom in October to mm-hmm. celebrate both of their birthdays. And my mom said that while she loved Haley's book, she was a little disappointed. And um, she said the reason she was disappointed is because Haley didn't go far enough into addressing the um, bullying at a very high level. I'm sorry, at the deep level. And I said, hey, Mom, she did what I told her to do. That was intentional. I did not want her to go deep into that or delve deep into that. That wasn't the scope of that book. That was something that I was going to share later, you know, after she and I wrote our autobiography or whatever. That was a later down the road thing. And I didn't want that, you know, to come back and haunt her or whatever. And, you know, um, she actually did have it in the book initially, and I stripped it all out. And I told her, you know, uh, your writing this could go into, um, could be considered bullying or whatever. So my mom said, well, you really need to tell that story because someone needs to hear it and you need to start writing it now, especially considering what you are going through. I'm not going to share what I'm going through right now because you got to get the book to find out. But um, kind of alluded to it as I kind of gave a synopsis of it. But anyway, um, my mom said, you really need to tell that story and telling the story isn't for you, it's for someone else. And by getting it out, it will help you with your healing or whatever. I say, yeah, okay, whatever. And um, I'll think about it. So I had a couple of friends who had, who had published authors or whatever, and they were talking and books that they've written, motivational books, and they go through very painful journeys or whatever. And I talked to them and gave them like a synopsis of, you know, what Haley and I have gone through. And they said, Deidre, you need to write that book. Mm. So after the second person, third person, fourth person told me, I said, affirmation, 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 or confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. So I finally said, okay, fine. 
I've had all these people tell me I need to write it. So I said, okay. So in November, I went to Haley and I sat down and I said, you know what, let's go ahead and tell the full story. So I said, do you want to tell the full story with me? She said, yes. So I said, okay, well, let's start writing. So um, we built, sorry, the dog. Um, so Gloria so, <laughs> wants writing. to share too. <laughs> right. so he's got a story um, to share we right. started uh writing it in november i mm-hmm. turned it over to my editor towards the end of january and i was like you know um i am going to plan it for a february release uh for my birthday as a birthday present to myself and a birthday present to myself will be revealing myself and revealing all of my brokenness but despite all of my brokenness inside here, you yeah. can't see it because my brokenness produced gold. So mm. a guy is sitting up here revealing all this about two weeks ago. I'm in this Facebook group for uh, dads with daughters. A post goes up about fathers whose daughters have experienced sexual assault. And they're asking what can y'all do or what did y'all do or have any of y'all ever experienced that? And I said, oh my God, my heart went down into my stomach. And I said, I know these guys pain so well because I have seen this happen with my own daughter. So I reached out to those guys and I said, here's what you need to do. And I've been through this. Um, I've made mistakes. These are the mistakes that I made. The mistakes that I made could have landed me in prison. This is in the book. Um, Don't make the mistakes that I made. This is exactly what you need to do. And um, the advice I'm giving you is free. I charge you nothing. I don't ask you to buy the book. Just use me as counsel. Ask me anything you need. Reach out to me anytime you want. And I will give you any advice that I can. So there's that. It was about three dads in a group. And I was just, oh, my God. And this is to me is the affirmation that I did need to write the book and that I needed to write the story and that my mom was right. Because she was the first person to tell us, you need to tell that story. Um, and the next thing is another venture that Haley and I had together. She didn't share it. But she has a um, she and I have a YouTube channel. Um, it's called The Rules of a Big Boss. So on that um, channel, we walk through different scenarios and things where we try and help empower people. Uh, We go through some of the empowerment exercises that are in her book um, and we walk users through them, you know, to try and help uh, improve their self-esteem. We talk about, you know, little black history facts and things of that nature. So one empowerment exercise is like use this area to describe what you've learned about yourself. Uh, please use this session to say, you know, how you feel after reading this chapter. Um, please use this area to describe your personal style, talking about vibe sessions and things of that nature. Another thing that we did, so we walked through some of those things um, on her YouTube channel. Um, and we do it all with silliness and fun. We're not serious at all. She and I cut up. Then another thing that we did uh, for the community is, you know, um, I had a artist uh, do uh, create uh, coloring sheets for her because we were going to originally create a uh, coloring and activity book to sell as a companion to the rules of a big boss. 
So pay the graphic designer to design all these color sheets and things of that nature. And, you know, coronavirus hit, you know, everybody's out of work and things of that nature. And I said, you know, I just don't feel good, you know, selling this to anyone. You know, people need help. You know, the depression is up. The rate of depression is up. Suicide is up and things of that nature. So I went to Haley and I said, Haley, how would you feel about we just give them away for free? Instead of, you know, creating a whole color book, we, why don't we just get a color sheets away for free? So uh, she said, yeah, she was with, she loved the idea. So each month we release one or two color sheets. The plan is to do two, but we slack off sometimes. But we put one or two on her blog at a time. Then we, after we put it on the blog, and we send an uh, email out to everybody that shopped the brand saying, you know, hey, new color sheet out. Uh, we throw it up on Instagram and we say, hey, here's a free coloring sheet. Uh, one is self-love. Another one was drawing a picture of me with hair. And a joke was my dad says that he has hair, but he doesn't have hair. Please color the sheet and tell him that he doesn't have hair and stuff like that. And they're all centered on building self-esteem and men, women, children. The coloring sheets have people of all ethnicities. They're uh, Caucasian people, Muslims, uh, Asian people and everything. And we want to touch everyone, uh, their children, adults and everything. So we put them up on IG and tell people, print them out, color them, post them, tag Haley in them. And what Haley and I do is with those color sheets once or twice a month, we jump on her YouTube and we joke around and we color them too. You hold on a second. Uh, I think I got one. Yeah, I do. So here's an example of one of the coloring sheets right here. So this is a direct quote from her book, uh, Don't Let Your Tiara Fall, and she sells clothing that's associated with that. And we talk about, you know, as we color them, we laugh and we joke about who's the best colorer. Of course, it's me. Uh, She says that it's her, but it's me. Uh, this is another one that we did that was a onesie that she hand designed and created for her brother. Um, That's so yours. Show mine. Show mine. Show mine. Show so mine's drew, better. So show she drew mine's better. And then we created it and we sent it to her brother. There's another one uh, for confidence or whatever. Uh, this mm-hmm. one is mine. This one is mine. She claims she's the better colorer and drawer, but it's that one is mine. So we walk people through everything. <laughs> all of this is and all of this is free. So our whole point in it is to try and help people. It's like you know, uh, you bought the book. If you could buy the book and afford to buy the book, that's great. If you can't afford mm-hmm. to buy the book, you know what? That's fine because we still have something free for you. And you can find something free on Instagram, YouTube, and on our website. And then finally, with the release of the uh, the uh, the um, inspected journey on February the twentieth, we're mm-hmm. going to do a combo. We're going to do a combo of the book, so we're going to drop the price on the rules of a big boss to try and give people an opportunity or more people an opportunity to do it. So these color sheets and everything, it was like you know I took a loss on it because I mean as I said I paid for these designs. But I'm willing to give them away for free and give them away for free because we want to truly help people out. And you cannot help people out if everything is, a, is associated with profit. Amazing, Diedrich. I, uh, thank you for sharing. And, you know, I think both of you, I believe you're both going to do incredible things on this journey. 
And I think it's empowering and very inspirational that you're able to get creative and help the world just express your your story and your experiences through something like drawing and, and creating art and, and content and through your book. And, you know, the fact that you just want to, like, give it out that value for free and, and connect in that in that story, it just shows that your heart and your passion and the love that you have and the love that and the passion that you've you've of you've. I guess grown through um, is there for the world, and um, I also wanted to mention that the the perspective about your book and how you talk about going through the fire uh, into gold. I think that's really really cool. I think that's an amazing perspective. I was visualizing that as you were sharing that story and that perspective, and um, I think that's super resilient and, and amazing that uh, you're able to just put that into words and into this book. So February 20th, you said the 20th? Yes. So February 20th, everyone tuning in, listening in, please get the unexpected journey. It says it's fire to gold. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And if and anyone that wants to connect with Diedrich and has any questions, um, you could reach Diedrich here at DMoon78. He's here on Instagram. Uh, Diedrich, is there any other tags? Uh, I know you said you're on you're on Facebook as well. We have you on Facebook. Is it the same tag or is it D? I think it was D dot. I think it's D dot Moon on Facebook. Yeah. I'm getting old, uh, so that's really <laughs> all know. good. Yeah, I believe it's D dot Moon uh, from when we were connecting earlier. I just wanted to make sure uh, listeners tuning in that can connect. And I'm also on Clubhouse. I think I'm D Moon seventy eight on there too. But yeah, I'm getting old. I don't know. <laughs> well everyone that's listening hey, you find in, me on instagram you'll find the rest <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you know everyone that's listening and tuning in um you know please connect with uh with Haley and Diedrich here and you know these are both you both amazing people and you, you know you're on this journey and i'm honored to have you both come on the show uh as a family and and be able to share your battles and and, and your trials and those experiences and to talk about the healing process and where you are today and to not only just create a book out of it, but also to create this path and this positive journey that you're able to share to the world. And uh, I think you're both amazing. Thank you. I, uh, I, um, I wanted to, to ask one more question, uh, Diedrich, uh, what is your best advice or positive insight you would share to others who may be going through what you've experienced? Everything that you're going through has a purpose. Don't focus on what you're going through. Focus on the purpose. That's one piece. Second piece of advice is rainbows follow every storm. So when you're in a storm, don't worry about it. (laughs) Something beautiful is going to come out on the end. Finally, your rear view mirror in your car is smaller than your front windshield for a reason. Focus on what's in front of you. Forget what's behind you. If you forget what's behind you, you're going to find yourself in an accident. You're going to end up in an accident that you may not come back, be able to come back from because that's what happened with Lot's wife when she turned around and looked at the destruction of Simon Gomorrah. God told her not to turn around. She turned around. She turned into a pillar of salt. You, too, will turn into a pillar of salt if you continue to focus on what you left behind. Press forward. Keep walking forward. And as you walk forward, you'll find forgiveness. And Thank, you, Diedrich. Thank you, Diedrich, for sharing those words of wisdom. 
I appreciate you both so much, Haley and Diedrich, for coming on our show tonight of Stories of Healing. Uh, and um, thank you so much for coming on. I'm super grateful and I look forward to connecting. And I believe that your story and your passion and your and your journey and the goals that you want to accomplish are going to continue and grow. And I believe people are really going to connect and uh, you're going to create healing to this world. So thank you both for sharing your stories tonight. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.